Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. everybody and uh, if I haven't met you before I'm Viv and together with Steve we lead this church and I just want to say first of all apologies from Steve he's had quite nasty flu over this Christmas period we've all been tested negative for COVID but he's still recovering and he's still feeling a bit rough so he sends you loads of loads of love uh, today I want to start this morning by just giving us a bit of vision for this coming year And looking over this past year as well, and then talk a bit about Nehemiah and our vision for rebuilding this year. Um, I'm actually going to do part two of this talk next week as well, because as I was writing this talk, I realized I couldn't possibly just fit it into one talk. So without everyone just falling asleep. So I'm going to come back for part two next week. Um, And I just want to give a bit of credit as well to um, just a few people and thought kind of creators like John Tice and Pete Gregg, KXE, that have kind of contributed to some of what I'm going to share today. I don't know about you, but it felt like 2020 2020 was an eternal year. And I want to walk us through a few moments that we've been through. And it's important to do that because they lead us to where we're at now. And where are we as a church? What's our current reality? And then I want to turn our attention to this new year and some of the things that we've got coming up over the next few months. And what does it mean about how we're, going to call, how we're called to live going forward? So would you just pray with me while we just invite God to come and speak to us today? Wherever you are, whatever, whatever is going on in your life, whatever stresses you've had, let's just press pause. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and speak to, to our own hearts. We're, you know, I'm going to talk a load of words, but God has a message just for you today. So why don't we invite the presence of God right now? Yeah, Father, we just, we come into your presence. We still our hearts before you. And we come with humility and with gratitude. We thank you for all that's gone before us. We thank you for this past year and for getting us through. Thank you that you've always been there. And would you breathe life into our vision for this coming year? Would you breathe your life and your love and your purpose into each one of us, wherever we are, uh, wherever we're tuning in from today? Amen. We've felt almost everything that we have loved being shaken or swept away um, in some way, shape or form. But by the grace of God, our church has survived. And here on the stage of history is our little church. And the question I think we have to ask ourselves going forward is what is going to come out from from our community in the middle of everything that's going on? Um, We started off 2020 so strong, didn't we? I don't know whether you remember 2019, everybody going, oh, I hate 2019, can't wait for 2020. And there's all these pastors talking about 2020 vision and uh, these prophetic people talking about 2020 being a year of breakthrough. 
and it certainly feels like something's broken through. Um, but I'm not, and I'm not sure really that 2021 is going to be a walk in the park either, judging by how it's all started. We, we started 2020 so strong, didn't we, with so much expectation. And then COVID broke out. And if you were in London at the time, the, I just remember just this, uh, this bizarre feeling of incredible uncertainty and what, what, what's everyone going to do? And it was just this emotional wave that started to hit people. And so for us as a church, we flipped the service online, and many of our projects, many of our meetings too. And I think in the week leading up to that, um, COVID kind of ran, ran rampant through the church as well. I, I had COVID, although I didn't even realize it at the time. I lost my sense of uh, taste and smell, which wasn't even an official symptom at the time. So if I wasn't making any sense back then, just blame it on COVID. Um, but I remember somebody saying to us at the time, just go easy on yourselves because no one has led a church through a global pandemic before. But COVID separated people. People lost their jobs. People were displaced. People moved back to their hometowns. People moved in with their in-laws. And it was kind of ironic because literally that week of lockdown, Steve was just about to do this big vision talk about us being together all in for 2020. And we really wanted to come together and be all in as a church for, for the coming year. And yet we, pre we pretty much spent all of 2020 apart. And even today, as we're talking about vision, we're, we're separated here. And people were, were just sort of scrambling to get through this. Uh, we were looking back at how churches dealt with plagues. And people were scattered and people were just doing whatever they could to get through it. Um, but for Steve and I, honestly, um, Steve and I are so proud of how this church responded. And we were so honoured to be part of a community that responded to the crisis um, in the way that it did. The, the church rallied with generosity. We started an emergency compassion fund and that just so many people gave into. And I wish you could see the notes or the phone calls, or the emails, all the, the um, thank yous that people wrote in and said. And, it, and it's, one, it's one thing, isn't it, to stand up every week and say our giving declarations, but it's another thing to watch it come to life in a time of crisis. And so many people were just like, thank you so much for, for helping me pay my bills, my rent, my debt. And um, it was just beautiful to see our church respond in that way. It's just really moving. And this is continuing too. If it's not too late to give into that fund or receive from that fund as well, we're still paying people's bills and, um, and debts even now. But after almost 10 months of being separated, um, from one another. How are we doing? And it's actually a real joy to, to sort of look at where things are and say, thank you, God, for that we've made it through so far. There's loads of people that have said in one way, shape or form, do you know what? This church with all of its faults and with all of its glory is my church family. And I'm just going to get involved and roll with wherever this thing takes us. And people have recommitted but it's also one of those things where people are beginning to dream again. And I think one of the strengths of this community is it's a real entrepreneurial community. And it's a culture where we're, we're not afraid of the future because we actually believe we can shape it. And that's, that's just one of the strengths, I think, about being a community like this. 
Um, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, just thinking and praying and just asking God what it is that he wants to do over this coming year. And this word that kept coming back to us, it keeps coming back to us, is rebuild, rebuild. And we've had a couple of, of prophetic words from people as well from the church that have, sent a, that have just said, this is a time to build. And our mandate as a church is um, Isaiah 61. That's where, the name, that's where the name Vineyard 61 comes from, from Isaiah 61. And verse 4 of that chapter says, I'm just going to read that, chapter, uh, Isaiah 61 verse 4. It says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And like I said at the beginning, it really has felt as though almost everything has been shaken or swept away. And if I'm completely honest, I'm not sure I've got it in me. This rebuilding thing sounds like a lot of work. I think anyone who doesn't feel tired at the moment has probably been living on some sort of desert island somewhere. But God is moving and God is speaking. And I don't know about you, but I actually don't want a comfortable life. I don't actually want to settle. I remember even when uh, we were engaged, Steve and I were engaged like 25 years ago, um, we said to each other, we don't want to settle. We don't want to just be comfortable and live like the rest of London lives. Um, and there's a quote that says, um, I, don't, I have no idea who said this quote, but there's a quote that says, God comes to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. God comes to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And it really feels like that, doesn't it? God is close to the brokenhearted and to people that are suffering. But God, and God hasn't caused this disease, but he does want to use it for his glory. He has shaken us and he is still shaking us. I, feel, I still feel shaken. He's still shaking us, isn't he? But I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss what God is doing at this time. He has shaken our comfortable lives, hasn't he? John uh, Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, says this, this just beautiful quote. The economy of the kingdom of God is quite simple. Every new step in the kingdom costs us everything we have gained to date. Every time we cross a new threshold, it costs us everything we now have. Every new step may cost us all the reputation and security we have accumulated up to that point. It costs us our life. A disciple is always ready to take the next step. If there is anything that characterizes Christian maturity, it's the willingness to become a beginner again for Jesus Christ. It's the willingness to put our hand in his hand and say, I'm scared to death, but I will go with you. You're the pearl of great price. And so I don't know about you, but tentatively I say yes to God, whatever it takes. I hear you speaking and I'm willing to pay the price, whatever it takes to rebuild. And we're wanting to rebuild and go again into this next season here in the city, but it has to be you that does it, God. We cannot go from here without your presence. I just wanted to tell you four practical ways, just very quickly, um, that we're sort of pressing into rebuilding at the moment. 
firstly, like Elias was saying, we, uh, we've got the big push into life groups. We're going to begin to connect again in life groups. Uh, we're taking steps towards rebuilding and with a very simple focus, how do we allow Jesus to rebuild us and, 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 our, and build solid foundations in us? As well as how do we begin to look beyond the horizons of our own lives and to the needs of the city around us? How do we build like a relational web across this, below the structure of this city that uh, many people who need care and love are going to fall into because they just feel like there's nothing below them? And we want to do this through looking at the story of Nehemiah, both on Sundays and in our life groups. Secondly, we're committed to uh, increasing our vision for discipleship and leadership training. Uh, I think one of the things that this last year has highlighted that it's been so easy in the past just sort of to coast along in your Christian life and then just have a little top up on a Sunday. And this last year, I think, has exposed that a little. And, and we have to learn how to intentionally disciple ourselves, to cultivate a relationship with Jesus, not just rely on going to a nice worship night or anything like that. We have to learn how to cultivate a relationship with Jesus ourselves. And it's our vision that when the world comes out of this shaken, that we come out of this more rooted and grounded than ever before. And that's one of the gifts that we have as followers of Jesus, isn't it? We get to build our foundations on the rock and not on sinking sand. We get to abide in the Son of God. And it's not just about doing, it's about his life coming through us as we spend time with him. And watch out as well for details of the Vineyard National Gathering. That's coming at the end of uh, January. And it's open to everyone this year as it's all online. And it would just be an incredible resource to be trained and equipped um, together. Thirdly, we want to lean into evangelism. People are desperate for hope at the moment. And this, I really think this is a moment in history. This is a moment like never before where people uh, are just asking the bigger questions of life and just going, where is hope? And as a church, we want to be able to say, I know a God who brings hope. That's what we have as a community, isn't it? Elias mentioned earlier about Alpha and we rolled Alpha online last year and more people than ever actually joined. And I just believe that there are more opportunities now than ever to talk about your faith. Invite your work colleagues, invite the other parents that you know. Um, it, it, we would love more Alpha groups. If you have a spare couple of hours in the day, in the evening, just let us know when you're available and we can put another Alpha course online. I think one, one thing that happens is if you... It's a bit like the old um, Kevin Costner movie, Field of Dreams, is it? Where he says, if, if you build it, they will come. Um, if we put on alpha courses, they seem to fill up. So if you would like to do an alpha course and lead one, please, please let us know. Um, it's just an incredible way of inviting people to learn more about God. Um, or maybe some of the ways that Kristen or Charlotte last year just talked about engaging really easily with people in our community, even during lockdown. Um, just go back to some of those talks and just have a look at what are the ways that God is leading me into evangelism and into just community building at the moment. And fourthly, we're pushing into prayer. Obviously, this is where it all starts. Um, God answers the prayers of those who call on him. And we just want to lean in with all of our hearts to seek God like never before. 
And as we go through Nehemiah, we see that that was how it all started. He was on his knees before God. And that just brings me to the, the last segment of this talk today. At a time when, our in, when individuals, our families, our nation, uh, our church needs to be rebuilt, what can we learn about Nehemiah and this obscure story about rebuilding walls? As you may or may not know, I love the Bible and I love the start of a new year where I get to decide with the Lord just what I'm going to read this year. And I really believe that just obscure books and passages of scripture can speak right into our situations today. Before we get into Nehemiah properly next week, I just want to rewind a little bit and I want to outline some of the biblical story where, and, and just look at where Nehemiah fits into the overall picture. Um, you may wonder why on earth Nehemiah was rebuilding walls and what this has to do with the bigger narrative of the Bible. So I want to give us a little whistle-stop whistle tour through the first books of the Bible to begin to place what was going on with Nehemiah. So you ready? So we start with creation. God created, he made everything good. But it very quickly, it begins to unravel as, as broken humanity fails to serve God. And so God kickstarts his redemption plan and he chooses one person. He says to Abraham, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to bless you and your family. And through you, I'm going to make you a blessing to the whole of creation. And the narrative uh, of the Bible then tracks the story of this family as they move from being a family to being a nation. And then with Moses, he leads them through this moment as, as a nation, they're freed from slavery. And then they go into the desert and God gives them the Torah law. And he says to these free people, free is in F-R-E-E, free people, this is how you're going to continue to live free. Uh, this is how you're going to be a blessing to the whole of creation. And it's there in the desert, God says to them, if you follow me, if you're the people that are called by my name, if, uh, if you don't turn away from me, if you go with me and, worship, and don't worship any other gods, if you, don't, if you don't look after each other as I want you to look after each other, then I will scatter you. But there's this promise that even if you are unfaithful, I will remain faithful. And if you turn back to me when you're scattered, if you call back to me, I'll bring you home again. And so then Joshua takes them into the land. They begin to settle. They build homes. They build cities. They build towns. And their crucial city is Jerusalem, where they build a temple for God's presence to dwell in. And then they build walls around the city to protect them and the temple. But then things begin to unravel as they always do in the Old Testament. And uh, Israel said, we don't want God to be our God. We want our own king. We want a human king like the rest of the other nations. And this just gets incredibly messy because the, uh, most of the kings are just really bad news. And what happens is, is, is that the 10 northern tribes, the tribes of Israel, separate from the two southern tribes, the tribes of Judah. The nation splits and divides and they turn from worshipping God. And after repeated warnings, God says to them, if you don't listen to me, then I'm going to send you into captivity. And, if, and they didn't listen. And so the Assyrians came and they conquered these 10 tribes. And they're left with this tiny remnant 
And then they start marrying outside of the Jewish nation and it starts causing all sorts of problems. And, at the and then the same thing happens in Judah. And this holds the city of Jerusalem. And they lasted a little bit longer, but eventually they experienced the same fate as well. And Jerusalem is destroyed by the Babylonians. The temple is destroyed. The walls are destroyed. And their people are taken into Babylon. And it's here that we pick up the story of Nehemiah. You got that? Everyone on board with where Nehemiah fits into it. And, I, and we're going to start reading it next week and start delving deeper into the, in, into the details. But I think the overwhelming feeling is that at the time, the nation was just in total disillusionment. How, how can they begin to understand just what has happened to them? Doubts start to creep in. Are we still the chosen people or has God forgotten us? Are the Babylonian gods stronger than our God? What about the promises he gave to, to Abraham? What's gone wrong? And I think it's safe to say that probably most of us have hit those questions or the grief that they face to some degree or the other, probably especially at the moment. And if you, if you are struggling at the moment, just please don't think that you're alone in this. And don't get caught in the trap of thinking that you're just weak because there's so much to grieve over at the moment. And if the last 10 months have shown us anything, it's that we're not in control, we don't have the power, we can't fix things, and we're not the saviour. And there's this moment with Nehemiah where this incredible influential man finds himself on his, on his knees, weeping, grieving over the ruins of Jerusalem. Um, he's in touch with his own pain and his family's pain and his nation's pain. He's not running from it. And he knows that he doesn't have the power to influence and change things. His, his competence is not enough. And if we're going to rebuild, we have to have the realization that we cannot do it. I, I love this passage from 2 Corinthians 1 verses 8 to 10, where Paul says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And I'm actually just going to read that again because I just feel like it's a really timely passage of scripture for us at the moment. So we, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. I don't know whether anybody just feels that today that you've received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. I love that, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. 
And that just, I don't know about you, I just, that just feels like we're at, where, where we're at, doesn't it? God, would you resurrect me? Would you rebuild me? Would you resurrect us as a church? Would you rebuild us as a city, as a nation? Would you resurrect us where we feel dead? Where we feel like we have no hope? God, would you do it? The, the birthplace of the Christian hope uh, and the Christian story is found in a tomb. And it may feel like for many of us that we're in a tomb surrounded by darkness and death. But in the middle of it, I really believe that God is going to resurrect us because that's what God does. He's the God who raises the dead. That's, that's the foundation of our rebuilding, that we have a God who raises the dead and makes all things new. And the story of Nehemiah is brilliant and we're going to learn a lot from it. But what comes first is this realization that activity is not enough. The rebuildings of, of bricks and a community coming back together isn't the lesson here. Just being a better version of ourselves isn't what we're looking for. We're not just going to go through this and go, what are the top, top 10 tips for rebuilding your life? There's something that much, much deeper that needs to happen. And the book of Nehemiah, it finishes a little bit disappointingly, if I'm honest, as people end up turning away from God again. And ultimately, what they do then is they begin to look forward to when the Messiah will come. And he will be the rebuilder of rebuilders. And he will restore the, the ancient ruins and fulfill the promises of God permanently. And this is the point. The point as good as they are, it's not about life groups, it's not about evangelism, it's not about prayer, it's not about compassion, it's not about mission, as important as they all, all are. Their point is Jesus. The point, in the words of um, Pete Gregg, he says the vision is Jesus, obsessively, dangerously, undeniably Jesus. Jesus is the great restorer. Jesus is the great redeemer. And he's the one who is able, he's the one that's able to take the broken bits of this world and make all things new. And at the beginning of this series, we, as we talk about rebuilding, the starting point, the foundation that we're going to build on is Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the foundation. That, and the rebuilding starts with saying, God, would you rebuild us? Let's fix our eyes on Jesus today. And, uh, and as we come down to land today, if you want to start rebuilding, my best advice for you is to get obsessed with Jesus. Jesus is the one who promises to rebuild us, to make all things new. That's why we read scripture, not just to get knowledge in our heads, but to get to know this man, Jesus. That, that's my goal this year. If you, if you have any goals this year, I just want to know how to get to know Jesus more. I want to become the person that Jesus would be if he was me. How do I put my hope in him rather than the vaccine, rather than my next holiday? He's the person that can make all things new. He's the only one that can rebuild us. He's the only one that can restore our foundations. He's the only one that can bring hope to our nation at the moment. He's the only one that can bring beauty from ashes. And I've seen that in my own life, how he, he takes the broken things and he makes them beautiful. He makes all things new and he's done it once. He can do it again in your life. So if you're up for this church, why don't we just rededicate our lives to Jesus at the beginning of this year? Let's give our yes again to him. And if you've never given your life to him, today is the day to say yes. 
there's a there's a little button on the church online platform to ask for prayer or to commit your life to Jesus today. And he's the reason we're alive today. He's the reason we do think this thing called church. And we need his help today as we begin to rebuild our lives. And so let's use this opportunity to ask God to rebuild us, to reshape us, to bring beauty for ashes, to resurrect the things that are dead. And let's worship him again as we rededicate this year to him. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.